Hey everybody, it's Ray Hughes, lead pastor at the Foundry Church, and this week on the Midweek Conversation, I'm sitting down with Luis Palomo, our Jones Road campus pastor, for a conversation to follow up on the message we delivered this Sunday as part of our Showdown Lent series. We're looking at Luke chapter 4 and Jesus' showdown in the wilderness with the enemy. So be sure to click follow or subscribe to share this content on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, and I hope you'll share it with others who might find it helpful. Okay, let's jump right in. Buenos dias. How are you, Ray? <laughs> I'm with Luis, which, by the way, rumor has it that uh, there were some new business cards ordered with may have had my picture on them. I think um, they were already online. They were online. Yeah, I think somebody already ordered them. So <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And for the record, we did uh, discuss both. <laughs> you need to go watch the sermon, uh, friends, if you don't know what we're talking about, Luis shared. Uh, we were talking about identity, right? Yeah. And uh, how we kind of like to... Was it the guy, Mr. Chen? I think his... Yeah, I can't <laughs> pronounce his first name. No. Chen. Mr. Chen works with the E. He's the foremost. The foremost. Everything of <laughs> Everything China. Everything of China. Uh, it was a fun way to kind of dive into identity, and that's what we want to talk about a little bit, this midweek conversation. One of the things we have, we've taken a little excursion away from what we've uh, had in mind for the midweek conversation because there's been so much to talk about with the Asbury Revival. But um, yeah. one of the things I'd like to do on the podcast, dive into the things that we couldn't talk about in the sermon. I know you said there was a story that came to mind. We, we had a brief conversation about just identity and, you know, key part of our message this week has to do with who we are, uh, the identity that God speaks over us as a child of God. That's what defines us, not anything on our business card or our resume or letters that we put before our name. Um, and I know, like, I've talked to guys who really struggle when they lose their job. Yeah, They struggle. They struggle with just who am I apart from what I do. I think we spent so much of our time in, in this culture fostering a sense of identity in our jobs and what we do. Mm. So even as uh, whether you're really connected to your family, so work is a good thing, family is a good thing, and you're doing these things. But the minute you lose the predictability of any of those, suddenly something inside of us begins to, answer, to ask these difficult questions. And I know I even went through it um, myself um, years ago. And I was in a place where I was in ministry. This is what I had trained for. This is what I did. And I was a pastor. I was a Christian leader. And then all of a sudden I resigned. I left and no church would hire me and went through a lot of stuff in my life at that time. And I remember 
really struggling with who am I? Mm. And then when you're in those valleys or in that wilderness, what's interesting is we tend to, when we're not healthy, focus on the negative things that led us to that place. And you, you say, well, maybe I'm these things really, or will I ever be that again? Or what can I be? And you start thinking related to work. But the reality is finding that space within you to let the Spirit of God begin to echo those words that have already been spoken, the names that have already been given to us, I think is important. And to say, regardless of, of what I do, this is who I am. Mm. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. Mm. And I think one of the things that helped me embrace that God-given identity is I've been blessed with incredible parents. And one of my, my, my best friends is my father, also a mentor. And I remember flying back to Costa Rica to, to meet with my parents. And I had to tell them, this is a, as an adult, of something that had happened in my life that I know it would be difficult for them to process. And it was painful to tell them. And I'm, I'm no longer in ministry at this time. I'm out and I'm there and I'm there for a week. And I didn't have the courage to tell them. Um, and I just waited and waited because of what I thought the fear and the shame and what are they going to think and every, you know, I knew better. And I just, and I hated ruining the moment because they were so excited that I was there. Mm. You know, I'm their favorite son. And their favorite kid, so you know, <laughs> and uh, never messed up. So forward this to you, brother. <laughs> oh, they know it. <laughs> and uh, and right before I'm putting my luggage in the car to come back to the states, I'm like, "Hey, I got something to tell you." And I told him, and I'm expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. It's almost as if I had told myself, "This is what I would tell me." That's what I was expecting the darker negative side of me to be echoed in my parents. And, and my dad did something very simple. I, they call me Junior at home because I sh obviously share my dad's name. But he said, Luis Fernando, te amo. I love you. Dude, he just brought me in. Mm. And just with a simple affirmation of my name and the embrace to realize that acceptance was there and it goes way back mm -hmm. regardless of how I've messed up and I think man if my have if my earthly father can do something that meaningful how much more could our heavenly father who is perfect and my dad's not perfect uh, we've had our our run-ins we've had our conversations we've worked through them but I'm thinking if, if God, our Father, can do that, can look at me still today and say, Luis Fernando, I have made you, you are mine, that suddenly that puts me in a different place to receive, mm -hmm. to give, to reevaluate, to realign. Yeah, and as you say to tell that story, let me just say thank you for your vulnerability and being willing to share that. I know that's difficult, um, but the element we didn't really bring up was the power that our words have or the blessing 
like the power of what your dad did in that moment, his response. Yeah. Um, we talked more about our own identity as a child of God, but we didn't talk about speaking those words over our kids or over anyone really um, that God puts in our path that way. Um, I did. It, I did mention it at Fry at one of the messages. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. Well, that's the, why your sermon was better than mine. I guess. No, but, but I did. <laughs> I did talk about that. We as parents, as grandparents, those of us who have influence over our children, mm-hmm. need to be really careful about Both, instructing our yeah. children, because if not, the world will tell us who the world thinks we ought to be. Right which is completely different than what yeah. Christ says. So what's what's the what's your working definition of identity then? Like it's a word like I looked it up. It's it the usage of the word identity has increased just exponentially. Yeah. That word is used more today than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right? So, I didn't let you answer. What do, I mean when you say identity, what are you thinking? What do you what do you have in mind? In the most basic form, it's what we've said is who I am. Mm-hmm. I think... Like your sense of self, like who... Of awareness of self. I think where it gets misconstrued is we think that my sexuality mm-hmm. is my identity, my gender is my identity, my nationality is my identity, my whatever it becomes my identity. I pick one sliver of, of life. Like that defines you. And then somehow that becomes how I then am present in this world. Mm-hmm. And if I only pick one sliver, then I'm not fully present. And I, I think that's where it comes in. I think in in Christ there is a wholeness. And that's why I said my identity in Christ informs every other way that I identify in this world. Right. As I see myself, as I am aware, as I am fully present. Because it will, I mean, eventually it gets played out in your life in different ways. Like, I mean, we talked about purpose. It's not just Jesus feeling good about himself in his baptism. His baptism actually readies him for the wilderness, and then the wilderness is, you know, just the beginning. <laughs> his ministry and the real testing is in the Garden of Gethsemane and all the way to the cross. That's a longer conversation to talk about Jesus' understanding of his identity, but uh, but certainly the baptism plays a key role in Jesus fulfilling his mission. Like if I if I lost my job, God forbid if I'm without my family, if I lose my hobbies, if I lose a passion for something, who am I? Do I cease to be that person? Mm-hmm. Like those things may have changed, but at the core when everything's stripped away, this is who I am. And if this is really who I am, that it informs the way I'm present here. So as as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a knower of Christ, then I will do things out of this place. So as a son of God, I will do things that please God. That means I may make abstain from certain things. I may not do certain things or choose to engage in certain behaviors and practices because I want to foster that. If in our world we foster so much this other false sense of identity or peripheral sense of identity, mm. I think at our core, I we should make the the effort to really foster that identity. I think that's another thing that we didn't really talk about on Sunday. 
that it requires some effort on on our behalf to foster to nurture that identity. It, yes, we are, and I know it great, but unless I begin to to tend to that place in our my soul, it'll fade. Yeah, it'll still always be there, but it'll fade. So, and I think this is a good conversation, especially because we are honestly we're obsessed with self too in our culture. Mm-hmm. So there's there's this insecurity about self, this identity, but we are also obsessed. Um, and there are two ways that I think this goes wrong when we misunderstand who we are. Um, I, you and I were talking about this, and that, now it, I've, it's escaped me where it came from. But this um, study on cultures that raise men, boys to be men, not the band. And uh, not the band. Uh, and <laughs> some of the prevailing kind of lessons that are being taught are have to do with a right understanding of your place within society, that everything is not about you. Uh, but that you you have this sense of worth as a part of something larger than yourself, like right-sizing the I Mm. that we either glorify and exalt the individual. Like I read recently that um, for his 54th birthday, Saddam Hussein picked uh, Frank Sinatra's My Way as his theme song, (laughs) which clearly like... Ended up pretty good for him. Evidence that, that, that his life was all about him. You know, and so on the one hand, we have this like, and of course, that's an extreme example, but exalting the self like it's all about my way. On the other side is demonizing. The other other extreme is demonizing of the self where there's this fear of the most dangerous pronoun, I, that it's selfish. And so there becomes this kind of attitude of you need to kill the self, like totally deny the self. Would you say I have to kill self? Well, <laughs> I when the individual so you could think of it this way: when the individual exists um, solely for society, that's fascism, right? That's the other extreme. extreme of like you don't matter as an individual at all except for your value to some some someone else and usually there's a you know egomaniac involved there that's controlling the masses uh, when i'm talking more broadly uh, the social implications of that type of thing but how do we understand our both our value because there seems to be this blessing that god and and you talk about names, that's all through scripture. Like God renames people all the time to give them identity and purpose so they can fulfill the purpose. Abraham, Abram becomes Abraham, Sarah, Sarai. Um, you've got many other times. Israel. Saul Paul. Yeah, Saul Paul. All these like renaming is powerful because it gives them identity and purpose. But but life doesn't revolve around them, right? There's not this like life is all about me. So I mean, how do we, how do you kind of walk into that that healthy understanding of self without it? Your life—it's it, not like life revolves around you or the world revolves around you. 
I think part of what I've begun to discover in identity, in this concept of identity, is that it's highly relational. Mm-hmm. So even in Jesus' situation, it's in relationship to the Father. So then there's a, there's this vertical relationship, but then there's also this horizontal relationship. So the vertical relationship impacts the way we horizontally relate to one another, whether it's family and blood or the people I interact with, encouched in this idea of love, mm-hmm. this reality of love. Jesus is loved, therefore he and the Father are one. He loves us. We are now one with him. We're to abide in him, and now we're to love one another. Galatians 2.20 verse I wrote down this morning, you know, Paul says, I live yet, not I, but Christ lives within me. It's relational Mm -hmm. at at the core. And I I think in that, in the spirit of God living in us begins to produce his fruit of love. And I think it's, it's not diminishing our true self, right? He, he's not what we were created to, to what is crucified (laughs) in us when we come to Christ. Like what? What part is crucified, and what part? Well, I think it's in seasons. Uh, I wish, it, in, in many ways, I think is yes, it's one and done. But in many ways, I continue to die to several things, things that I thought I dealt with or never dealt with in the past. Suddenly, I do now, and it's when I begin to think of myself above others, or better than, or only about my comfort or my needs, mm-hmm. and it impedes me from from blessing others. It impedes me from being generous. It impedes me from thanking God many times to say, you know what, if I'm putting all of my thought and energy or even financial resources or whatever it may be into this one thing that prevents me from doing other things that God may be calling me to do, that's when I said, I may need to die to this. So when I made decisions in my life not to to engage in watching television because I want to dedicate X amount of time to doing something for God is different. Or you know what, I'm going to give up a family night just like I give my family so many other things so that I can be in relationship with X people for X amount of weeks. I think that's healthy. Mm-hmm. But th- that's a way we we die. I think sometimes that word die for us is so negative and drastic. Yeah. But I think that's part of the way we, we say no to something yeah. for in this world for a, a spiritual yes in our lives. What does that look like? So, yeah, so the invitation for Lent is to to die to self in some way so that we're crucified with Christ. Um, I like how Richard Foster says it. You can always turn to the contemplative, right? He says, union with God does not mean the loss of our individuality. Far from causing any loss of identity, union brings about full personhood. We become all that God created us to be. So contemplatives sometimes speak in their of their union with God by the analogy of a log and a fire, appropriate for us, right? Yeah. The glowing log is so united with the fire that it is fire, while at the same time it remains wood. Or others use the comparison of a white hot iron in a furnace. Our personalities are transformed not lost in the furnace of God's love. Yeah. There's this God God consumes us and makes us fully who we were designed to be. So um, and that's a process. It's not easy. Yeah. I, you know, I think of 
like my temper. It's, you know, people are like, that's just your personality is just who you are, mm-hmm. whether you're too passionate. I'm like, well, I don't think a personality trait is just being ticked off all the time. Right. So maybe there's something inside of me that needs to die. Right. So when, when things happen around me and I get irritated or I'm frustrated or whatever it may be, I usually ask this question, what is inside of Luis that is happening? Because I, there's the external, like this happened, this happened, so that means it's everybody else's fault and I'm never looking inward. And part of what I've learned as being a, a son of God is that I still need healing, I still need restoration. There's room for improvement in this walk of holiness. So I'll ask the question even eventually is, what's inside of Luis that needs to die? Mm. And, and then I think that opens me up to saying, okay, because if that, whatever that is that is identified, is revealed that needs to die, then God could either restore something within me, renew something within me, or begin something completely new. Mm-hmm. But I, that is becomes an obstacle. And I may not be able to change it on my own. That's the thing. When you're talking about relationships too, that's where... And, and that's where I sometimes have to go to some trusted friends and be able like, hey, this is really messing with me. Yeah. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's where I need you to pray. This is where community comes in. And suddenly they're like, yeah, we're going to lean into this. And then I'm able to be present differently with with my kids, with my wife, with my colleagues, with friends, with strangers, when when I'm driving, uh, whatever it is, something begins to really change within me. There's a dependence on God. And that's, I think, as humans, becoming more fully human is really becoming more dependent on God Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in its healthiest form. That he defines us. Yeah, transforms us. Good stuff. Thanks, man. And um, I think a word I want to leave our listeners with uh, as we journey towards Easter, you know, knowing a lot of our folks are foundry people, um, some outside the foundry family kind of listening, part part of the podcast family. What would you encourage people um, in this season as of preparation for the resurrection celebration? What does this invite us to, like if you had to summarize um, what we've talked about and identity and... There are moments in life that we're thrown into, usually unexpected. We're thrown into these moments. Then there are moments that in a way we create by simply adopting a new rhythm. We're saying, I'm going to walk at a different pace. And I think that's what Lent does for us between now and Resurrection Sunday, is to say, maybe I'm going to attend a different kind of service. I'm going to read Scripture. It's not too late to get in Bible 365. It's not too late, even as we record this, to get into a Lent group for for four weeks connect with other people, get into God's Word, allow God's Word to seep in your, into your life in a way that perhaps you haven't done in a while. Mm-hmm. That breaks up your rhythm mm-hmm. and it allows you to reflect. I think many times we get caught up when we look at our actions, fostering a different sense of identity or purpose without knowing, but pausing allows us to really reflect, to look inward, to let others look inside as well. And I think that's, that's powerful 
because part of before I get to Resurrection Sunday is there is there's death. Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult to have a resurrection without right. death. Right. So if something in me needs to die, needs to be sunsetted for the sake of Christ, for the sake of others, then what is it? I think it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't all have to be this really bad stuff that I'm doing. It's just stuff maybe prior- that I've prioritized, that I've aligned myself to. And then when that happens, something begins to open up. So I would encourage anyone listening, adopt a new kind of behavior regarding a spiritual practice. Even even something as simple, like you might not have time. You know what? Don't miss a Sunday between now and Easter. That would be huge. Yeah. Because we know a lot of people, we, we got spring break coming, we got this going on, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe for you, the spiritual, I mean, yes, I'm hired to be here on Sundays, and so are you, and, <laughs> and it's great, and so are different people. But for some of us, it may be a simple discipline of I'm going to show up. And when I'm there, I'm going to be fully present. Mm-hmm. I'm going to engage. I'm going to, or I'm going to take notes during Sundays. Something different. That, Don't resist the new thing yes, God wants it. to do. Try like, different service. Try different style of service. Listen to the Spirit. Mm. Like, oh, we're so caught up, and I only like X or I only like this because that really yeah. speaks to me. Well, maybe if you change context and broke the rhythm up a little bit, that maybe I'd have an opportunity to create that space that I'm not thrown into, I walk into. Maybe you and I should mix it up, but we start preaching at the beginning, and then we do everything else at the end. Is is why not break up the rhythm in, in a different way to see how? Because God, we, we could want even, to hear from I mean, you. we could sing. We could be the singers on stage. No, no I can probably, do some beatbox. Probably, that would be death for a lot of people. I I, I did a maybe, rap once. Maybe Andy, <laughs> in like eleventh grade. I'll bring it back. Let Andy and Kelly sing. Yes. <laughs> Overachievers. All right. Thanks, <laughs> Louise. Hope you guys, thanks for tuning in today. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you soon. All right. He's your daddy. Thank you. <laughs>